What's up, MLB Morning Coffee listeners? We have our first sponsor. Please welcome to the show, Sit Stay Paul. Is there a better feeling than walking through the door and seeing your dog so excited to see you? There really is nothing better than a happy, healthy dog. Sit Stay Paul, Boston-based dog treat company, focused on all natural, healthy ingredients, is dedicated to helping dogs live happier, healthier lives. At Sit Stay Paw, they treat dogs as part of the family and understand you do too. That's why they use the highest quality all-natural ingredients in each dog treat. Each recipe has been developed along board-certified veterinary nutritionists and is packed with the flavors your dog loves and the nutrition they need. Stocking stuffer ideas? Do your friends have dogs? Sit Stay Paw's Blueberry Pancake Chewies are made with real blueberries full of antioxidants, fiber, and vitamin C and K the perfect stocking stuffer dip for your friendly pooch. Their carob chip chewies are a natural sweet treat your dog will love, full of vitamins A, B, D, calcium, iron, magnesium, everything your dog needs. For the next four weeks, listeners can go to sitstaypaw.com. That's www.sitstaypaw.com. And on Facebook and Instagram, at sitstaypaw. And use code MLBCOFFEE. That's right, MLBCOFFEE. For 10% off your first order. Take a pic, throw it on the gram, get your dog on the Sit Stay Paw Instagram. Sit Stay Paw, go get your dog a treat. Now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Thank you for joining us here. We've got a lot to go over. Before we do any of it, we are brought to you by Sit Stay Paw. Go to sitstaypaw.com, enter promo code MLB Coffee, and earn 10% off of your first order. Again, that is sitstaypaw.com, enter promo code MLB Coffee to earn 10% off of your first order. Shout out to my guy Greg Miller for all of his support of our show. So we have a lot to go over from the weekend. In particular, the trade that sent Nolan Arenado from the Rockies to the Cardinals in exchange for Austin Gomber and potentially a bag of magic beans. Now, a lot of people are saying that the Rockies got a worse return for Nolan Arenado than the Cubs did for you, Darvish, and I disagree because... The aggregate returned to the Rockies is a better aggregate than what is returned to the Cubs because you have a lot of higher-level prospects. Now, the Cubs got a major league pitcher back in return. Zach Davies had a very solid year last year with San Diego. The Rockies got a bunch of higher-level guys from the Cardinals. We don't know exactly what the return is going to be yet, but we have some speculation. So let's go over the trade now and what it means for both franchises. On Friday, the Rockies agreed to trade all-star third baseman Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for Austin Gomber and a myriad of lower-level prospects. One of the bigger sticking points in this deal is the $50 million that the Rockies are going to send the Cardinals to help cover the cost of the remaining six years and $199 million remaining on Arenado's contract. So the Rockies, in essence, traded away Nolan Arenado and got back a fringe major league arm along with some prospects that may or may not amount to something. So I think where people compare the return for Darvish to the return for Arenado is the fact that Zach Davies is a much more proven pitcher than Austin Gomber is. Now, I have seen Austin Gomber pitch in collegiate summer league and in the minor leagues. 
I think he has the potential to be a major league starter at some point. However, that point is not right now. Needless to say, this was a salary dump by Colorado. They extended Arenado two years ago on an eight-year deal and then decided they didn't want him anymore because the franchise was not in a position to where they could win right now. Arenado had some friction with the front office, and they decided let's get rid of him while his value is still high. And when you look at that type of contract, it is going to take Nolan Arenado into 2026. At that point, he is going to be 36 years old. He will turn, assuming when opening day is going to be, he will turn 30 years old during this upcoming season, which means by the end of his contract, he is going to be 36 years old. And on an eight-year, $260 million deal, that's an average of $33 million a year about. $33 million for a 36-year-old third baseman is not a great use of your money. I have railed against teams for trading away stars because I feel like the precedent has been set for teams to just dump money. This is one scenario where I actually agree with the Rockies. Did they get enough back for him? No. Do you have the leverage to get a lot back for somebody that you're trying to dump for financial reasons? Also no, which is why the Rockies got the package back that they did for him. Unlike you, Darvish who is under contract for three more years, and unlike Blake Snell, who is also under contract at a much lower price for three more years, Arenado is under contract for six more years. And the Rockies figured the best time to get rid of him is now because we're not going to compete now, and maybe by the time we are ready to compete, we can't spend money on guys that can help us win now. Instead, we're stuck with a 36-year-old third baseman that's making $33 million a year that we can't get rid of. See Albert Pujols' end of Angels career. Pujols, by the way, is at the end of his Angels contract. He'll make $24 million this year at age 41. That's not the scenario that you want with Nolan Arenado. And look, Arenado is somebody that has put up consistently good numbers over the course of his career. Let's look at what he's done in a five-year span excluding this past year, because it's really impressive when you look at the consistency of his numbers. Nolan Arenado, from 2015 to 2019, never hit less than 37 homers. He hit over 40 homers three times. He never drove in less than 110 runs. So think about that. Nolan Arenado is somebody that is consistently hitting over 37 homers a year and driving in over 110 runs per year. Arenado has played eight major league seasons. He's won a gold glove in all of them. He's won a Silver Slugger Award four different times, and he's finished in the top five of the MVP voting three different times. Nolan Arenado is somebody that you can easily project what he's going to do because his numbers have been consistent. When we look at the batting average numbers, this past year was a down year, but I think we can throw 2020 out the window. From 2014 to 2019, Nolan's lowest batting average year was 287. He is a lifetime 293 hitter. So when you look at the trade for Nolan Arenado, you think of a guy that is going to put up 35 homers a year, over 100 runs batted in, and somebody that's going to hit in the range of 285 to 300. Now, I went to the Fangraphs article that was written on Nolan Arenado, and here are some of his Zips projections for the next five years of his contract, and they're not as good as what he has put up in the past for two reasons. Number one, he's getting older. He's going to turn 30 by the middle of April this upcoming season. And number two, he's now moving to St. Louis, 
which is obviously a much more pitcher-friendly ballpark than Colorado. He spent the first eight years of his career in the most pitcher-friendly ballpark in Major League Baseball. So here's what they have for Nolan Arenado. Next year, meaning 2021, he's going to hit 262, 27 homers, 83 RBI. That is going to be the best year of the next five years because the next year it declines to 259, 24 homers, 75 RBI. Year after that, 256, 21 homers, 69 RBI. 2024, 254, 19 homers, 62 RBI. 2025, 248, 16 homers, 55 RBI. And the year after that, they can't project because it's too far into the future and they don't have a large enough sample size to accurately project him that far down the road. When I look at these projections, I think of two things. Number one, they are only projections and we don't know what Arenado is going to do relative to what people think he's going to do. But the second thing I think of is I look at that 2024 figure. 19 homers and 62 RBI for a third baseman making $33 million. His war is going to go down from 4.0 to 1.7 from 2021 to 2024. Are the Rockies getting ripped for this trade right now? Yes, because they gave up a superstar. But the Rockies also extended him to a contract figure that he would not live up to in the final three years of that contract. Meaning, the Rockies were able to save themselves later by sacrificing themselves now, if that makes sense. That's why I like this trade. That's why I think the Cardinals took a gamble picking up somebody in Nolan Arenado that he's going to give you two to three great years right now, but you're going to be stuck with an albatross of a contract figure for the final three years of his deal that you more than likely are not going to be able to get out of. The Cardinals effectively sacrificed themselves from 2024 to 2026 so that they could win with Nolan Arenado in the next three years. Him and Paul Goldschmidt at the corners could be a lethal 3-4 in the lineup for this year and next year. But how is that going to hold up over the course of the next six years? Are the Cardinals going to be able to have sustained success paying a third baseman $33 million after the age of 35? Here's the deal with Major League Baseball contracts. Any contract that is over six years in length, you are paying for that player's performance in the first three to four years of that contract. You are giving him the final four years of that contract or however many years it is because you want him for right now. Somebody else is always going to be able to leverage a higher deal over yours. So you have to overpay a player later to get the best of him now. That's how these contracts work. Now, the six-year contract, as we've seen with guys like John Lester, as we're probably going to see with somebody like a George Springer, they are fine because you can understand what a guy is going to be by the fifth or sixth year of his contract based on when you sign him, especially guys that you sign to a six-year contract when they're in their 20s. Where the Angels made the biggest mistake is that they signed Albert Pujols to a 10-year contract when he was in his 30s, knowing they were going to be paying him more than $20 million a year into his 40s. Nolan Arenado is two years younger than Albert Pujols was when he signed that contract with the Angels. So I want to look at the age comparisons between the two players to see where you might think Arenado is going to be based on what Pujols was at that age. So let's go to Pujols at age 31, his first year with the Angels. 285, 30 homers, 105 RBI, 343 on-base percentage. 
he finished 17th in the MVP voting. Now, 2013, he got hurt, hit 258, 17 homers, 64 RBI. That was him at age 32. Him at age 33. 272, 28 homers, 105 RBI, finished 17th in MVP voting, played 159 games. His only All-Star appearance with the Angels came in 2015. That would be age 35 for him. 244, 40 homers, 95 RBI. So he had an all-star appearance. He hit over 40 homers. He didn't drive in over 100 runs, and he hit below 250. Pujols' power numbers dipped off after 2016. In 2016, he hit 31 homers. In 2017, he hit 23. 2018, he hit 19. And 2019, he hit 23. This past year, he hit 224 with six homers and 25 runs batted in. So Albert Pujols fell off significantly after the age of 35. And the Rockies realized that once they signed Arenado to an eight-year extension a couple years back, that they weren't going to be able to afford to pay him a $33 million a year figure when he's in his mid-30s. And that, to me, is why this trade doesn't bother me as much as the other ones did. Because if you're the Cubs, you can absolutely afford to pay you Darvish for the final three years of his contract. If you're the Rays, you can absolutely afford to pay him for the final three years of his contract. The Rockies understood that they overpaid Arenado too much now and were going to have to be taking it on the chin once he hit age 34. And they decided, let's cut bait while we still can. Let's cut bait while we're entering a rebuild and be able to have that salary relief once we're able to be competitive again four to five years down the road. Of any team in the NL West... The Rockies are going to be in last place in the next two to three years. Maybe not this year because the Giants are still a team that's trying to build themselves back up. The Rockies have pieces to be competitive. Trevor Story is still one of the top five shortstops in the National League, but the Rockies can't compete with the Dodgers or the Padres. They certainly won't be able to compete with the Giants once San Francisco has rebuilt themselves back up over the course of the next few years. The Rockies are starting their teardown. They're not all the way there yet, but they're starting their teardown. This was the best time to get rid of Nolan Arenado because you're not winning next year and you're not winning the year after. So if you want to get a jump start on rebuilding your roster, you trade them while the iron is hot. And from the St. Louis angle, based on the $50 million that the Rockies gave the Cardinals, they're going to have to pay Nolan Arenado $24.5 million a year over the next six years. That's more reasonable than $33 million, but still, they don't want to necessarily have to be paying a 35-year-old third baseman $24.5 million a year, but the Cardinals are looking at the NL Central right now and saying, what team in this division has gotten better? The answer is nobody. Up until the time the Cubs signed Jock Peterson on Thursday, and we'll get into that in the next couple of segments, the NL Central combined as a division had spent $3.7 million in free agency. The five teams in the NL Central had spent $3.7 million in free agency. This is going to be the weakest division in baseball this year. And the Cardinals figured, with one player, we can not only win the division, but with no expanded playoffs, once we get in, we have as good a chance as anybody. And that's the thing, you just have to get into the dance. And Nolan Arenado significantly increases their chances of being the favorite in that division. It was anybody's division prior to the trade. At this point, it is clearly the St. Louis Cardinals division. As for the return that the Rockies got, they'll have to see what Austin Gomber turns into. 
He hasn't really put up much over the course of his major league career so far. Gomber is under team control until 2025. He's a free agent in 2026. He had a good year out of the Cardinal bullpen last year. 1-1 record, a 1.86 ERA. Over 29 innings of work, he had 27 strikeouts to 15 walks. So he had a strikeout-to-walk ratio of just below 2. Good, not great. Gomber is somebody that is very tough on lefties. He started 11 games for St. Louis in 2018. He was injured in all of 2019, and in 2020, he proved to be a valuable swingman, making four starts out of his 14 appearances from the St. Louis bullpen. A former fourth-round pick, Gomber rose quickly through the Cardinal minor league system. A fourth-round pick in 2014, he got to AAA and the majors by the time he reached 2018. Pretty good for a fourth-round pick out of a smaller school, Florida Atlantic University. The whole point of this discussion is to say that while the Cardinals got a player that can help them win now, they are going to suffer financial burdens on him later. For the Rockies, they sacrificed a player that can help them win now, but for the long term, this is probably the best move. Yes, I know, I'm agreeing with a team dumping salary and dumping a superstar, but based on the contract figures and the length of the contract based on when Nolan Arenado is going to hit that age 35 mark, this was the best move for the Rockies to make. And the thing is, if they waited two years to make this move, they wouldn't be able to make this move. Because if you already started to see the decline, nobody is going to pick up four years at $33 million a year for somebody that you can already see has his best years behind him. For the Rockies, they figured if they weren't going to be able to get rid of him now, then they never would be able to get rid of him at all. Over the weekend, Major League Baseball proposed to the Players Union a shortened season and a delayed start to the upcoming 2021 season. This is from Jeff Passan of ESPN. The Major League Baseball Players Association is mulling over a proposal by MLB to delay the start of the 2021 season, and if the union does not provide a counteroffer early next week, spring training is likely to start in mid-February as scheduled, sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. After months of scattered dialogue, the parties find themselves in a similar position to last year when the coronavirus pandemic shut down the season, disagreeing over the proper path forward. The league's proposal to push back the start of spring training to late March and the beginning of the season to late April includes a 154-game schedule that would pay players their full 162-game salaries, according to sources. The proposal concerns the MLBPA on multiple fronts, players and union sources told ESPN. We'll skip forward a little bit further in the article. MLB's desire to delay the season, according to league sources, is based on the recommendation of health experts and the likelihood that doing so would enable the 2021 season to be held when COVID cases have dipped, particularly in Arizona, which currently has the country's highest rates and where half of the league holds spring training. Cases in Arizona and Florida have recently dropped, and health officials project they will go down even more between now and the proposal's start date. This is how I interpret this. One part that's also in the article but I'm not going to read you is that in exchange for a shortened and delayed season, MLB is also including the offer of the universal designated hitter and expanded playoffs. As we talked about on a prior episode, Major League Baseball is offering this bargaining chip because they know that the union would like to have a universal DH, but they also want the expanded playoffs for more television revenue. 
The point, though, that's clear to understand here is that the players' union does not have to do anything. They have an agreement in place for 2021. It's called the Original Collective Bargaining Agreement. They don't have to do anything. And if Major League Baseball wants to do something, they have to get the union's approval in order to do it, which means the union has no obligation to agree to anything that Major League Baseball suggests unless it really comes down to a health and safety issue among the players, they are not going to delay the start of the season. And look, we don't know if COVID cases are going to completely go down by the time a delayed spring training would start. My guess is they're not, because the vaccine rollout in this country has been an absolute disaster, and there's no signs that it's going to be quickening up anytime soon. I hope it does for the sake of everybody involved, but I don't see that happening in time to get everybody that would potentially come to the ballpark vaccinated. And we can't even guarantee that everybody is going to get vaccinated. I have somebody close to me, and I'll just divulge my source because she doesn't listen, nor does she have the internet. My 70-year-old landlord says that she's not getting the COVID vaccine. However, she's a bit of a crazy person. So I'm not going to take anything that she says with too much merit, but there are people out there that think like her. My whole point is, is that we can't assume that anything is going to be exponentially better by the time we reach that delayed opening day mark at the end of April. I don't think that the union is going to agree to this. I think that they are going to plug along as scheduled, and we are going to see spring training start on time. We are going to see Major League Baseball's opening day start on time. Whether or not there are going to be fans, that's a whole other discussion, but let's just say this. Today is February 1st. I'm not confident that the Major League Baseball season starts on time, but a lot could change between now and April 1st. Let's wrap it up with some free agent news. Jock Peterson signed a one-year, $8 million contract with the Chicago Cubs for the 2021 season. Jock Peterson has 130 lifetime homers, and his best year came in 2019 when he hit 36 homers, drove in 74 runs, and hit a lifetime best 249. Jock Peterson is a 230 lifetime hitter. He's a pretty solid glove, but he's a platoon guy. He kills right-handed pitchers. He is awful against left-handed pitchers. The Cubs are probably going to platoon him in either left or right field. He can play all four positions in the outfield. He's much better in the corners, though, than he is in center field. Jock Peterson, to me, is somebody that, if put in the right environment, can be a guy that can hit you 25-plus homers a year. Problem is, he can't hit lefties. Solid deal for the Cubs. In my opinion, they get the same version of the player they just gave up in Kyle Schwarber for $2 million cheaper. Better defensive outfielder, but basically the same type of offensive player. It was pretty clear from the start that Jock Peterson was not going back to the L.A. Dodgers. He finds a new home in Chicago. Eddie Rosario signed a one-year, $8 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. Rosario was famously non-tendered by the Twins, even though he had himself a pretty solid last couple of years. He hit 32 homers, drove in 109 runs in 2019, and in 2020, over the course of 57 games, he hit 13 homers and drove in 42 runs while hitting 257. This is a guy that from 2017 to 2019 hit over 24 homers in each of those three years. Eddie Rosario is a very solid bat and somebody that fits very well in the American League Central. 
Cleveland is in a weird spot because they just traded away their franchise player in Francisco Lindor, but they still have the pieces to compete in the American League Central. It's the White Sox and the Twins, and Cleveland is not that far behind, at least based on the performance that they put up last season. The benefit in signing a guy like Rosario is that he knows the division well. He spent his entire career with the Minnesota Twins. So all of the other four teams that you're facing, he has faced all of those teams for his entire career, and all of last year, and the year before, and the year before that. So you're getting a guy that knows the division and has the type of power to make an impact in the middle of your lineup. This was a great deal for Cleveland and keeps them competitive in 2021. Didi Gregorius re-upped with Philadelphia, signing a two-year, $28 million contract. Didi had a solid 2020 season. In all 60 games, he hit 284 with 10 homers and 40 runs driven in. He was the odd man out in New York after the 2019 season. The Phillies signed him to a one-year deal. He performed very well, and thus, he is now their shortstop for the next two years. I like the move. I think it's a good value. He's only 30 years of age, a two-year deal. You're not committed to him long-term. And once he hits that point where he starts to decline, you can let him go. It's a pretty easy decision for the Philadelphia Phillies organization to make. To me, $14 million a year for a player that's as solid as Didi Gregorius is about as good a value as you can get on the free agent market. couple of other moves before we get to our final segment. Wilson Ramos signed a one-year $2 million contract with the Tigers. Ramos was terrible last year, so high value for Detroit. This is clearly a backup catcher. Trevor Williams signed a one-year contract with the Chicago Cubs after he was non-tendered by the Pirates last year. He posted a 6-18 ERA in 11 starts. The Cubs have a major league capable arm at a very cheap price. No word yet on what they're actually paying him, but it cannot be that much. Carlos Rodon re-upped with the White Sox on a one-year $3 million contract. He was non-tendered by the White Sox, but he returns to the White Sox for a cheaper value than he would have gotten if he was tendered and had gone to arbitration. So the White Sox get a bargain bringing back Rodon, who had a terrible year last year. He made just four appearances. He gave up seven earned runs in seven and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen, I would like to see Rodon go back to being a starter, but I feel like his role is going to be in the bullpen for the upcoming season. And I wanted to talk about Rodon because of our good friend, Bob Nightingale. And why did I want to talk about Bob Nightingale when it came to Carlos Rodon? Because when Rodon re-upped his contract, here is how Bob Nightingale reported it. Here's the tweet. The White Sox $3 million signing of Carlos Rodon, their former closer, gives Tony Larusa tremendous options on days Liam Hendricks needs a rest while also limiting his innings. Bob, only you can be a national MLB reporter just making stuff up. Carlos Rodon, in six major league seasons, parts of six major league seasons, has zero career saves. And in parts of six major league seasons, of his 97 career appearances, five of them have been out of the bullpen. Carlos Rodon is not a closer. He's never been a closer. Stop making stuff up, Bob. Good Lord, I work in research. It takes you 10 seconds to look at his baseball reference page. Go to Google, type in Carlos Rodon, hit the baseball reference link, and then you'll see he has no career saves. So before you become an embarrassment on Twitter, which you already are, 
Look up his damn stats first. He's not a closer. He's never been a closer. He's never going to be a closer. To all of the young journalists and baseball writers out there, heed my advice. Before you write something or tweet something, make sure that it's actually true. Because in this situation, Bob just decided, I'm going to make something up. Bob, by the way, doesn't usually delete any of his tweets. He did delete this one. Bob, next time, keep the tweet up there and acknowledge that you made a mistake. Acknowledge that you just made it up. You screwed up, Bob. Own it. Finally, a couple of retirements that we have to talk about. First, over the weekend, Daniel Murphy decided to retire. He, the playoff hero of the New York Mets in 2015. Murphy moved on to the Nationals in 2016, where he had two very solid seasons. He led the NL in doubles in 2016 and 2017, had 25 homers in 2016 with 104 runs batted in, 23 homers in 2017 with 93 runs batted in. The Cubs picked him up for half a season in 2018, then signed a contract with the Rockies in 2019, had a solid year in Colorado in 2019, but became more of a bench guy in 2020, played in 40 games, hit 236 with three homers and 16 RBI. He finished second in NL MVP voting in 2016 because he hit 347 that season while having a slugging percentage of 595 and an OPS of 985. So best to you, Daniel Murphy, as you move on into retirement. And earlier this morning, Dustin Pedroia retired from the game. He had not played a major league game since 2019. He played just three major league games in 2018, six in 2019. He had some real injury troubles in the last few years of his career, tried to come back in 2020, didn't do it, and decided to retire from the game after 14 Major League seasons. Pedroia was a key cog for the Red Sox in their 2007 and 2013 World Series championships. He won the American League MVP in 2008 when he hit 17 homers, drove in 83 runs, batted 326, led Major League Baseball in hits with 213, led the American League in runs with 118, and led Major League Baseball in doubles with 54. He was the Rookie of the Year in 2007, where he hit 317 over 139 games, 8 homers, 50 RBI, a 380 on base percentage. Dustin Pedroia was a four-time All-Star, a one-time Silver Slugger Award winner, and a four-time Gold Glover. He had a good career that was plagued by injuries at the back end of it, so best to you in retirement, Dustin Pedroia. He's 37 years of age, and by the fact that he only played nine combined Major League games over the past three seasons, it was probably time for him to say goodbye. He, though, was undoubtedly one of the most popular players on that Boston Red Sox team over the past decade. And that is it for this edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Thank you to everybody for listening. Write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. Helps out our metrics tremendously. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you next time.